Amen. Amen. Thanks. You can all be seated. Great, great worship today. Great words. Great words to think about. Uh, just a brief introduction to our speaker today is, is Jeff Mole. Some, some connection with us is uh, his father officiated at Brooks and my, our wedding ceremony. So uh, Brooke was in the youth group with, with uh, Jeff at that time. Jeff then went off to Word of Life, then was involved in Children Bible Fellowship, which is a children's ministry down towards New York City, and then also at a church down towards New York City. He's since come back up here to pastor with his dad at Lakeside Bible Chapel in Bemis Point, New York. And we knew that Ken was going to be out this week because of, uh, of uh, snow camp, so we invited Jeff to come out and preach the word to us. So this is Jeff Mull. Thanks, Jeff. There we go. How about now? Oh, wow. There's power. <laughs> wow. Praise the Lord. It's good to be with you all today. And... Uh, just encouraged to meet some of you on the way in, and uh, just my wife is here with me as well, Rachel, Jeff and Rachel Mole, and I always tell people I'm Jeff Nobody, telling everybody about somebody who can save anybody, <laughs> because he's, his amazing grace, how sweet the sound saved a wretch like me, you know, he saved me, took me off the road to hell, put me on the road to heaven, how about anybody else, anybody else been saying amen, and we want to look today into God's word because it's God's word that has power. You know, Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse 63, he said, it is the spirit that gives life. He said, the flesh profits nothing. He said, the words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. So my words, they have no power, they have no strength. Our hope is in Christ alone, as we just sang, amen, in Christ alone. And if you want to turn in your Bibles with me, we're going to be looking in uh, the letter of 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1, and verses 1 through 9. We're going to look at his, his letter. But Father, we, we need you today. We need you today. And we ask, Lord God, that you would open our eyes, Lord God, to see wondrous things from your word, Lord God. We ask that, Lord, by your word, by your spirit, Lord God, you would quicken our hearts, Lord God. You know each heart in this room and what each one's going through, Lord God. I ask that you would minister to each heart, that you would strengthen by the power of your word, by the power of your spirit. Pray that Jesus would be glorified and that, Lord, we as your church, Lord God, would be, be as light shining in a dark place. We would be as you've called us to be, those called out of darkness into your marvelous light to be those who proclaim your praise, Lord God, who live to the praise of your glory so that one more may come to know the hope of everlasting life in you, Lord Jesus. So Lord, this is your time. We pray glorify your word, Lord God. Speak to our hearts today, Lord God. And may, may we be stirred by your word and changed for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I love Peter. Peter was the man who said, oh, Lord, not me. I'll never deny you, right? And next news you know, he's denying the Lord three times and, and even cursing and saying, I don't even know. I don't even know him. And yet the Lord restored him. And yet the Lord restored him. Before he even denied the Lord, Jesus said, when you are restored, when you, when you come back, strengthen the brethren, strengthen the brethren. What's encouraging is that the Lord took Peter from denying him three times. He restored him at the end of John. 
three times, do you love me, Peter? Do you love me, Peter? Do you love me, Peter? Feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. And then on the day of Pentecost, the Lord took Peter and filled him with the Holy Spirit. And he stood up and he just lifted up Jesus. He stood up and just pointed to Christ, pointed to Jesus who died for all sin, pointed to Jesus who was buried, and pointed to Jesus who rose again. And as Jesus was glorified, lifted up, hearts were drawn to him. And how we need the Lord. Peter wrote in both the first and the second letters of Peter, the letters that he wrote, but he wrote them, he says, to remind you, and so that you may have a reminder after he was gone. After after. Peter was gone. He says, I'm writing these letters so that you'll always have a reminder. I want you to always be reminded. And so here in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, he says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. First, Jesus called him when he was a fisherman. He said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And then he commissioned him and sent him out as an apostle. That's what apostle means, sent one. And Peter was sent out to go fish for men. And he's writing here, he says, to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, and Alfred Amund. Pilgrims, pilgrims. Is there any pilgrims here who are saying, this world's not my home. I'm just passing through. And more and more as these days that we're living in, they they continue to move on more and more as God's people. We're seeing, we don't belong here. (laughs) We don't belong here. It's like that guy who wrote the song, all I know is I'm not home yet. (laughs) This is not where I belong, you know. (laughs) Take this world and give me Jesus. Amen? Amen. But Peter says, He's writing to the pilgrims, to the sojourners. This world's not our home. We're strangers. We're aliens in this world. Jesus said in John chapter 17, verse 14, he says, they are not of this world, even as I am not of this world. And he prayed for the the disciples, and he prayed even for us, for those who would believe after. He prayed that the Father would keep them from the evil one. So Peter writes and he says to the pilgrims of the dispersion, but you are elect, you're elect, you're chosen, you're elect, chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of spirit for the obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. You've been chosen by God, not just, wow, I'm, um, I'm picked for the team. You ever be in in uh, the pickup games in high school or, or grade school. And I remember standing on the line and, and the line's getting shorter and shorter and everyone's getting called and it's like, I'm the last one, I'm still here. I guess you can go to this team over here. <laughs> but the word of God says we're chosen. We're chosen. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4, it says he chose us in him. Before the foundation of the world. Think about that. In Christ, if you're in Christ today, it says he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that, he, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love and having predestined us to the adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself 
according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. And in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. He chose us in Christ Jesus. He chose us before the world began and he chose to say, I'm going to adopt them as my very own and to call them mine, to call them his very own children and to make us accepted in the beloved. And it would cost them a price because without Christ, We were sons of disobedience. We were children of wrath. We were under the sway just as Adam and Eve in the garden and in Adam all die. When they believed that lie, when Eve heard and, and, and then ate the fruit, she took it hook, line, and sinker, the lie of the enemy. And when she ate that fruit, when Adam ate the fruit, it says he was with her. It says that their eyes were opened. But what was reality is when they sinned, it says death passed upon all men and all have sinned. In Adam all die, but only in Christ Jesus will all be made alive. It's only in Christ that there's hope, only in Christ alone. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. And it says old things have passed away, all things become new. Only in Christ. It's the miracle that whosoever. It's really a boggling miracle that if that door back in the back, you look and you see over the door there's a clock. But imagine it said, whosoever will, right? You see this sign over the door, whosoever will, right? For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him will not perish but have everlasting life. And you say, I need you, Jesus, And he says, whosoever will may come. And you enter through the door. And as you walk through the door, you turn around like this. And you see above the door on the other side, chosen before the foundation of the world. Isn't that awesome? It's mind-boggling. You can't figure it out, but it's awesome that he knew us before. He foreknew us. It says we've, we've been elect, according to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Powerful. In chapter 2 of 1 Peter and verse 9, it says you are a chosen generation. Think about that. As a child of God, you are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are his own special people. Don't ever lose the wonder of that reality. You are his own special people. That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Called and adopted, chosen for his purpose, for his pleasure, for his glory, for his honor, to proclaim the praises. Did you, as, as the sister was playing the, the piano, and sometimes you just hear the, you know, the, the, the keys just exalting the Lord. May our lives be that way, that we say, Holy Spirit, so fill my life that my life will just lift up the name of Jesus Christ, the name above every name, because that's why you called me. That's why you saved me for this purpose, to proclaim the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And he did it by the precious blood. Do you see that at the end of, of verse 2 in First Peter 1? 
It says, in sanctification of spirit for obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. It's because of him, in him, that we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sins. As he says in Ephesians 1 verse 7. And then Peter says what Paul used to say in his letters. Every letter that you read from the Apostle Paul. Grace to you and peace, right? Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Over and over and over again. Grace to you and peace from God our Father. And then he would even end the letters and say, May the grace of the Lord be with you. May the grace of the Lord be with you. One of my favorite ones is is in the book of Revelation, chapter 1, where John says grace to you. John's, John's writing a letter to the church because it's the revelation of Jesus and he's calling it and sending it out to the seven churches. But in Revelation chapter 1, verse 4, it says, John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, and listen to what he says, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was, and who is to come. Think about it. Maybe you hear the grace to you broadcast on the radio. Go further. Welcome to grace to you. Remember Revelation chapter 1 verse 4. Grace to you and peace from him who is, him who was, and him who is to come. He's coming. He's coming again. And it says, from the seven spirits, who are before his throne, from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth. You may see some evil things happening in the world, but remember, Jesus is over all. He's the ruler over the kings of the earth. And remember this, the end of verse 5, him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Let it sink in deep. Let it sink in deep. Grace to you and peace from him who is, who was, who is to come. From him who loved us. Him who washed us from our sins in his own blood. Powerful. Grace. Grace. Grace to you and peace. But Peter, when Peter says grace to you and peace, Peter says, if you look back there, at the end of verse, verse 2, Peter says, grace to you and peace be multiplied. He knew his need for grace. He knew his need for grace. And he says, grace to you and peace be multiplied. Multiplied. Whenever I hear that word multiplied, I think about the old calculators. You're sitting in school, right? And and you can use the calculator to help you with the schoolwork. But if you take nine times nine and you just keep multiplying, 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 eventually you're going to hit this thing that says E on those old old uh, calculators. And that means can't compute the number, right? Cannot compute E or whatever that is. <laughs> but guess what? Grace and peace be multiplied to you. Every single day we need God's grace. It's by grace that we're saved through faith. Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, and it's not by works so that no one can boast. But it's by God's grace that we stand today. It's by God's grace that we stand today. In Romans chapter 5, the Apostle Paul writes and he says, 
Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope. It goes on. We stand in the grace. We stand in the grace. Paul had a thorn in his flesh. And the word says it was like a messenger from Satan to buffet him. And he pleaded with the Lord in 2 Corinthians 12. He's like, Lord, take this from me. He pleaded with the Lord three times. It wasn't like, Lord, take this from me. Lord, take this from me. Lord, take this from me. It wasn't quick prayers. No, he pleaded with the Lord. It was buffeting him. But the Lord said to him in verse 9, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you, Paul, for my strength is made perfect, made complete in weakness. It's made perfect in weakness. So Paul said, most gladly then I'll rather boast in my infirmity so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And then he says some weird things. Verse 10, he says, therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses. For Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Next time you get one of those moments where you're, oh, I'm so stressed out, start to take pleasure. Like Paul says, I take pleasure in distresses. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. This is a grace moment. Lord, I need your grace. I need your grace. It's all sufficient. And Lord, your grace saved me. Your grace keeps me to stand firm. But Lord, your grace is going to strengthen me for this moment, for this test, or for whatever the situation, the hardship that may be coming your way. His grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient for you and for me. Peter, that's why Peter says grace To you in peace be multiplied. Be multiplied. And then he breaks out into praise. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be. It's like praise be. Praise be. He's breaking out into praises. Remember David as he wrote in Psalm 34. He says, I will bless the Lord at all times. And his praise will continually be in my mouth. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble will hear thereof and be glad. And then he calls out, Hey, in the back row, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name forever. Hey, out in the foyer, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let's exalt his name together. He's calling for others to praise him. I'm getting a little crazy. Sorry about that. (laughs) But David said, I'm going to bless him always. I'm going to praise him always. Oh, magnify. And he would call others to magnify the Lord. And that's why we've been called for the praise of his glory. Amen? For the praise of his glory. But look what Peter says there. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that does not fade away. It's reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed at the last, time, last times. When was the last time you broke out into praise because of that? Because you've been born again to a living hope. 
Have you lost the wonder of it all? Have you lost the wonder of it all? Peter says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He has given us new birth. We've been born again. He's begotten us again to a living hope. We've been born again to a living hope. This is not dead religion, amen? Isn't that awesome? It's not dead religion. It's a living hope that we have in Christ Jesus. We've been born again, not by anything that we could ever do, but because of him. It says in Ephesians chapter two, if you look back there again, Ephesians chapter two and verse one, Excuse me. He says, and you he made alive. Born again. And you he made alive who were dead in your trespasses and sin. Let that sink in. And let it, let it stir your heart to, like Peter did, he began to bless the Lord. He began to bless the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because I was dead in my sin. It says, You he has made alive who were dead in your trespasses and sin, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath. That was all of us under the sway of the wicked one, children of wrath. Verse four, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved powerful and he goes on you've also been raised up together and he made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ it's always so that our lives would be declaring his praise proclaiming his praise and his glory because it's by grace verse 8 By grace you are saved through faith, and it's not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, and it's not by works, so that no one can boast. Powerful. We have been made alive. We have been born again to a living hope. Jesus said, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. He says, don't be surprised that I said to you, you must be born again. Remember he told Nicodemus, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. But so powerful is God's word. So powerful is God's word. Look at uh, first, first John chapter 5. When you think about being born again, this is, this is powerful. Because Nicodemus is like, how can that happen when I'm old? This is so powerful and instantaneous. First John 5, 1 John 5.1 Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Isn't that powerful? That's why, remember the Philippian jailer, he comes in shaking, he's about ready to kill himself after the earthquake, and Paul and Silas are in there, in the jailhouse, and they're, they're praising the Lord at midnight, and they're worshiping the Lord, and all of a sudden God sends an earthquake, and the jailer thought he was through because he thought all the prisoners had escaped, and he's about ready to kill himself. And, and, he, and Paul cries out, he says, do yourself no harm, we're all here, 
And then the jailer comes in shaking and trembling and he says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And he said simply, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Same here. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. That very moment, as many as receive him, he gives them the power to become the children of God, even to those who believe on his name. John 1.12. But may this cause our hearts to praise. May this cause our hearts to praise the Lord because we've been born again. Because we've been born again. Think about this. Just, just By the Holy Spirit, we've been born again into the family of God. But it wasn't like, well, that happened back in 19-whatever, you know? Don't let it get old. Don't let it get old. Remember? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Actually, 17, he says, this is the will of God for you. Do not be drunk with wine, but be, and it's talking about be being filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to one another, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your hearts to the Lord, and giving thanks to the Father for all things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't ever lose the wonder of so great a salvation. Let it cause your heart to praise the Lord. Let it, let it cause your heart to rejoice in Christ. And this reality that we've been born again to a living hope. Do you remember this hope that, that Paul wrote to Titus? In Titus chapter 3, he speaks of this hope that you and I have to eternal life. Titus chapter 3 verse 4, he says... When the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared toward men, not by works of righteousness that we've done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit, who he has poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs together to the hope of eternal life. We're heirs according to this hope of eternal life, all because of Jesus, all because of what Jesus has done. Our hope is hope of everlasting life. Born again to a living hope. But not only that, if you just look back, maybe it's on the same page or the opposite page there, Titus chapter 2, verse 11. He says, The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, listen to this, we should live, the end of verse 12, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age, comma, so he's still going, of how we should be living. And we should be living, so we should be living soberly, righteously, and godly, in this present age, looking, looking, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify us, again, for himself, his own special people, zealous for good works. This hope that we have, born again to a living hope, we should be looking for our blessed hope. This is how Paul said to Titus, we should be living this way, looking for our blessed hope. 
And for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Imagine if he came today. Imagine if he came this week. No one knows the day or the hour. He just said, be ready. I'm going to prepare a place for you. If I go prepare a place for you, I'm coming again. So that where I am, you may be also. Comfort each other with these words. But be looking Looking for this blessed hope. Doesn't mean you go up on the mountain with a white sheet and you, Jesus is coming, everybody, let's hunker down, you know? (laughs) No, but in the midst of it all, he says, zealous for good works. So that, why? We can do what Jesus said, Matthew 5, 16, letting our light so shine before men that they may see the good works and glorify the Father in heaven. Word of God says, one day he who's coming will come. And will no longer delay. Hebrews chapter 10. Oh, looking for that blessed hope. Peter's excited about this. He's, he's praising God, praising the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ for all these things. And for the, the security of the salvation. Because he knows that he and the church, the pilgrims, we've been born again to a living hope. Our inheritance is reserved for us in heaven and we're kept by the power of God. Think about that. Your salvation, you couldn't save yourself and you can't keep yourself saved, you know? You're kept by the power of God. Do you see that at the end of verse, uh, verse five? You're kept by the power of God. By the power of God. John chapter 10, verse 27, Jesus said, my sheep, they hear my voice. I know them, they follow me. He says, I give them eternal life and they'll never perish. And he says, no one can snatch them out of my hand. My father who gave them to me is greater than all and no one can snatch them out of my father's hand. And then Jesus says, I and the father are one. You're kept. You're kept by his power. Even as Paul wrote to the Ephesian church in Ephesians 1, the same, same reality after he told them they've been chosen, they've been adopted as God's, God's own and accepted in the, in the beloved Ephesians 1 verse 13, it says, In whom you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, you heard the word and you trusted the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, the moment you believed, it says, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of the inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Sealed by the Holy Spirit till the day of redemption. He redeemed us with his blood. And he said, I'm preparing a place for you. I'm coming back. He's coming back for, for what he has redeemed. And if you belong to Jesus, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. The word of God says you're not your own. You've been bought at a price. So now we should glorify God in our bodies and in our spirit, which belongs to the Lord. And he's coming back for, to get his possessions. <laughs> Amen. And as, as believers, as sons and daughters of God, children of God, we're his possession. We belong to him. We belong to him. If you, if you just take a moment, maybe in your quiet time, camp out on Isaiah chapter 43 at the beginning. He talks about uh, Jacob and stuff. And he says, you're mine. I've redeemed you. I've called you by name. You are mine. <laughs> it's like the kids playing in the nursery maybe right now. Maybe there's someone with a toy there and maybe someone's getting hit with a toy saying, hey, that's my toy. No, no, that belongs to the church. That's not your, but we belong to Jesus. We belong to the Lord. We belong to him.
Peter's praising the Lord for this reality. But then he goes further from just praising the Lord. If you look back in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6, it says, In this you greatly rejoice. In this you greatly rejoice. I mean, he's praising the Lord about it. And then he says, in this you greatly rejoice. When was the last time that you just greatly rejoiced in God's salvation? In the new birth he's given you. In the living hope he's given you. In the reality that he's keeping you. You're kept by his power till the day he comes to take you home. When was the last time your heart just greatly rejoiced in Christ? If you go up by Buffalo, New York on a day when the Bills would be playing, I mean, there's always, you know, they get a little rowdy up there, right? The games, football, basketball, baseball, all these different sports. You ever see people get crazy? We were from Philadelphia area originally, and the Philadelphia Phillies, they had a, a mascot, they have a mascot called the Fanatic, you know? Fanatic, right? <laughs> And people get crazy. And the mascots sometimes get crazier than the fans. But when was the last time we rejoiced in Christ? When was the last time that you truly delighted yourself and rejoiced in this reality? Took time and rejoiced. Instead of saying, Lord, is this almost over? You know, God... I mean, there's two clocks back there. When I was little, I used to do this. Yeah, right? My heart wasn't greatly rejoicing in, in Jesus at that time. I was like, kind of like, all right already. You know what I mean? But Peter was rejoicing greatly. Peter was rejoicing greatly. And he says, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you've been grieved by various trials. Anybody going through a trial? Everyone is either going through a trial, going through a storm, coming out of a storm, or they're going into a storm. Storms come to everyone. Storms come to everyone. But Peter says, you you may be going through various trials right now, and it may be grieving you. You may be grieved by various trials. But these trials, verse 7, it says, they happen so that the genuineness of your faith, see, true faith can be tested. It's not just sunny day faith. Amen? It's, it's in the, the rainy days and the storms, the storms that come, the life that's built upon the rock. When the, the storm comes and beats upon that, that, that house, it will not fall because it's founded on the rock. They've heard the word and they've obeyed. But those who heard the word and didn't do anything, their house is on sand. And when the storms come, because the storms come to both houses, the house will fall. But the true foundation, the true faith, when the trials come, it will stand the test. It says the genuineness of your faith, verse 7, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire. When it goes through that fire test, it will be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's going to bring glory to God. It stood firm through the test. And you know what? All the glory is going to go back to the Lord. It wasn't us. 
It wasn't our might. It wasn't our power. It was the Lord. It was only by his grace that he saved me and only by his grace that I could stand. And his grace was sufficient for me in the midst of that distressing situation, in the midst of that distressing trial. And his power was so manifest in my weakness. And then he gets all the glory. He gets all the glory. Peter talks again, if, if you read on your own time, all of uh, 1 Peter, 2 Peter. But 1 Peter 4, verse, 13, verse 12, he says, Do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to, t- I'm sorry, which is to try you. It's going to try you. It's going to test you. There's going to be testings. All who live godly in Christ will suffer persecution. Testings will come. But testimonies will follow. Do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial that is to try you as though something strange were happening to you. And then he says, but rejoice. Peter is really off his rocker again, right? In this you greatly rejoice. Now trials come and, and fiery trials come. He says, but in this you rejoice. Rejoice. Verse 13, rejoice. To the extent that you're partakers of Christ's sufferings. We've got to remember Jesus as those tests, as those trials come. Remember Christ. Rejoice to the extent that you're a partaker of Christ's suffering. If you remember, put right next to that, 1 Peter 3.18. Christ suffered in our place, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. Christ suffered for you to bring you to God. Otherwise, it would be the lake of fire for all eternity. But Christ said, no, no. And he suffered in our place to bring us to God. That's so powerful. So rejoice, verse 13. Rejoice to the extent that you're a partaker of Christ's sufferings so that when his glory is revealed you may be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he's blasphemed. On your part, he's glorified. The name of the Lord being glorified. There was a day when we worked in the city, there was a group called the Israelites in Harlem, and they're through New York in Washington, D.C. But we had a team that we were taking through the city from Pennsylvania, and we wanted them to listen to what these Israelites were saying. They would use the Bible, you know, and, and they, would, they would stand there and they would preach hatred. They would take the Bible and then they would preach hatred. So we wanted them to, to take, we would take them on an exposure trip in the city. And so we wanted them to hear. And so we're there. I was driving one of the vans and our other brother was driving the other van. And the group's there uh, listening for a bit and then they start going back to the van. And one of the men, he says, run along with your little Jesus. He said, run along with your little Jesus. And I, I froze. I couldn't, I felt like if I would have kept going, it would have been saying, yes, he's little Jesus. But he's my Lord. He's my Savior. He's the one who suffered to bring me to God so that I could be forgiven. And I froze and I, I remember holding up my Bible. I said, this is the same Bible you read from. And it says, God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son. He loves you. And that whosoever would believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And they took my Bible, they ripped it and they threw it. And they said, bring him to the front. 
And they dragged me to the front of this, this group. And the man in the front, he says, bow down to me. Bow down to me. I said, no way. I will worship only my Lord Jesus Christ. I said, he loves you and he died for you. He said, bow down to me. He's hollering at the top of his lungs. I said, no way. I will only worship Jesus. He loves you. And he died for you. Three times he said, bow down to me. I said, no. And he said, make him bow. And they plastered my face in that sidewalk, you know. But when that happened, I mean, what Peter says is true. I can't explain, but there was a joy. I, I was filled with a joy. I'm in 125th Street in Harlem, and my heart's full of joy. I just got, <laughs> got a tooth knocked out, and my face is all bleeding and stuff. But God was filling my heart with joy. You can't explain it. You can't make it up. But it's true. And the Lord says, my grace is sufficient for you. and My power is going to be manifest in your weakness. And he will get the glory. It would be so that he would get honor, so that he would get praise. And, that, and then it turned out into a testimony for his glory. That night, we didn't want to make a stink, and so I was trying to go into a store and just get some peroxide and just clean myself up, you know? And they were like, they were so afraid because my whole face was bloody, you know? <laughs> and they were like, and then this officer found me and took me into the uh, police precinct and... And this one officer's cleaning my face, and they're like wanting to do the police report. So what happened? And so I start telling them, and this one lady, she's like, oh, I'm Jewish. I don't want to hear this Jesus stuff, you know? <laughs> and, and the guy's washing my face. He goes, keep talking. He goes, Jesus set me free from heroin. He's like, keep talking. <laughs> so things that happen to us, it will turn out for a testimony. The tests can turn out into a testimony. Let it be so. Just as, as what Peter challenged the church. He says back in 1 Peter 1, he says, the testing, as your faith is tested by trials, it just shows, verse 7, that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though tested by fire, it will be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus. And then look what he says, having not seen you love. How many love Jesus? I mean, we're, what a joy as we're praising his name today. None of us can see the Lord, but having not seen him, we love him. Jesus said to, to Thomas, who said, I'm not going to believe unless I can put my hands where the, where the nails were, put my hand where the spear was. And Jesus came and he says, Thomas, put your hand here, feel. Reach here your hand, feel my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas fell down. He says, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said, Thomas, you believe because you've seen. But he said, blessed are those. Alfred Almond Bible Church, they've never seen, but they believe. He didn't say it that way. But he said, blessed are those who've never seen, but believe. 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 Having not seen, you love. And we love him. As 1 John 4, 19, he says, we love him because he first loved us. And it's so real. He is so real. He is so real. Someone made an old song, real, 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 real. He's so real to me. You ever hear that song? (laughs) It's like a Caribbean gospel song, you know? But he is so real to us. He saved us. He pulled us from the pit. He put our feet on a rock. He put a new song in our hearts. Praise to our God. And though we haven't seen him, we love him. And may we love him more each day than the day before. 
Check your pulse of your love for Jesus. Check your heartbeat. Like the, the word says in Revelation chapter, chapter 3, chapter 2, he talks about having left the first love in chapter 2. The church having less, left their first love. Check your pulse. Have I left the first love? Is my heart ablaze for the love of Jesus? Do I love the Lord my God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, all my strength? Or do I love football, baseball, basketball, entertainment, video games, fill in the blank, more than I love Jesus? May our hearts be set ablaze with the word of God. May our hearts be set ablaze for the glory of God. He's coming again. He's coming again. We haven't seen him, but we love him. May our hearts, the one who is, who was, and is to come, may our hearts burn for him. The one who loved us, washed us from our sins in his own blood. May our hearts burn for him, yearn for him, and live to glorify his name. It says, though you haven't seen him, you love him. And though now you do not see him, still you don't see him. Yet believing, he goes on again, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Talk about joy. In the midst of suffering, he says, even though now, going on in verse 8, though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible, full of glory, and you're receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. It's, it is finished. Jesus said it on the cross. It is finished. And whosoever believeth on him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. You're receiving, you're receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Rejoice in that. Rejoice greatly in that. Praise the Lord greatly in that. In those realities. So much to praise the Lord for just in these nine verses. But they weren't, they weren't verses when Peter was writing. It was a letter. I mean, we, have, we still have like, wow, we still have a couple more chapters to go. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it was a letter from Peter. Called to rejoice in the midst even of suffering. Some people's faces are like, got a little nervous. We won't go through the other chapters. But may our hearts be stirred by God's spirit, by God's word, to rejoice in Christ. Even... If you may be going through trials, testings, different difficulties, draw upon God's grace. His grace is sufficient and his power is manifest in our weakness and his joy is our strength. If you, you know what Peter preached on the day of Pentecost? He preached from Psalm chapter 16 on the day of Pentecost and he was proclaiming that Christ is risen from the dead. And he quoted Psalm 16, 8 through 11. I set the Lord always before me. Because he's at my right hand, I will not be moved. He says, he will not abandon my soul in hell. He will not allow this Holy One to see corruption. You'll show him the light of life in your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore fullness of joy that's what peter preached on the day of pentecost in acts 2 and it's so interesting that as he's writing this letter he talks about greatly rejoicing and exceeding rejoicing with exceeding great joy i want what he had and you know what in christ we have what he had 
Amen? In Christ. We have Christ in our lives. May our hearts rejoice in him. Father, stir that within our lives, Lord. As Paul even said, to rejoice in Christ and put no confidence in our flesh. We need you. Lord, may you stir, stir us, Lord God, with your word, with your spirit, Lord God. That as you've called us to be a a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and your very own special people, Lord, may our lives proclaim the praises of you, Lord, who called us out of darkness into your marvelous light. Glorify your word, bear fruit for your glory. May your joy be our strength in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.